This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Adam Wharton here. You're listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast. You are listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at The Terrace. everyone to this special edition of the 4000 holes podcast we tend to do this at this time every year that's right it's time when we rip off shamelessly bbc five lives fighting talk this year the extent of interest has meant that we're able to have two semi-finals so we've got our first four plucky contestants ready to record tonight and then we're going to do the same for the second semi-final next week and then we're going to have a grand final in the new year how exciting is that let me introduce you to the panel in my Zoom window in the top left-hand corner. We have the host of the What Now show on 4000 Holes podcast and also provider of embroidered goods. I've said too much already. Roger, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Ian. Uh, glad to be invited along to this. I wish you'd have told me that I'd be in the group of death for semi-final number one before I'd agreed to do this, but <laughs> let's give it a go. Clearly clearly warm balls when the draw was made. Or was it just down to calendar availability? I mean, it's one, one of the two. Warm balls is always a good thing. 
Uh, in the top right-hand corner of my Zoom window is a doyen of this format. Uh, he is one of Manchester's foremost business journalists. That's what he told me to say anyhow. It's Michael Taylor. Michael, how are you? Hey, I'm really good, Ian. I am one of those who is cracking his knuckles ready to go in the group of death. This is a testosterone fueled show, I can tell. This. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Splendid. The bottom right-hand corner, I have in my window the defending champion. I hope he's intimidated already by this trash talking that's taken place. It's Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you this evening? Well, there's an introduction. Uh, yeah, I'm good. And uh, people should not be scared of the defending champion status. It was an absolute fluke last year. So, uh, yeah, I'm good, Ian. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me along. Well, your direct debit has bounced this year, so your chance of defending your title is slim to none, I'm afraid. Unless, unless we, we get an instant transfer. I'm checking my internet banking, even as we speak. And finally tonight, we have a guest who's been on the podcast before, interviewing Tony Mowbray, or a version of Tony Mowbray in the past. He's joined us on various panels over the years. It's great to have him back. It's Louis G. Louis, how are you tonight? I'm very well, thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm coming for all the marbles tonight. Uh, no warm balls for me, thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, we've uh, we prepared some interesting, uh, I'd like to say topical questions. We've, what we've tried to do is get some questions that mix Christmas with current events with Blackburn Rovers, as you'd expect. So I'm going to start round one with this question. In recent weeks, the COVID inquiry has unearthed any number of revelations as politicians' WhatsApp messages have been made public. But which Rovers player or manager, past or present, WhatsApp messages would you like to read and why? I'm going to come to Roger first of all. Roger. Well, I wasn't sure whether this applied to people who had WhatsApp before WhatsApp was a thing or whether or not we had to do it from what about the mid-2000s when WhatsApp was created. But either way... I would love to see the Rovers group that was assembled by Ryan Nelson and co for what was the infamous Venky's chicken advert. I'd love to go through a play by play of that on what people agreed to do stuff, because it must have been like, I don't know who got approached first, whether it was Dunny, whether it was Ryan Nelson, whoever saying, right, lads, we've got to bless ourselves. We've got to eat some chicken in the changing rooms. Then we've got to act as if we're going out to play a match at the same time. It was all very strange. I mean, how did Dunny get given the the infamous bite of the chicken whilst he looked at the near distance? How did Salgado get the role of licking his lips pre-match? And how did Robertson, more than Gauss Pedersen, become banter boys as such with the old tap on the shoulder, steal the chicken, classic roles in the advert? It, I watched it back this earlier on today, and it is as bad today as it was back then. I'm sure the lads must have said, listen, it'll be a bit of fun. We'll, we'll laugh about it for a bit. And then, you know, in five, ten years' time, no one will think about it. But unfortunately, the internet exists, YouTube exists, and it stinks but I would love to see the WhatsApp group messages, GIFs, memes, etc. from, yes, the infamous chicken advert from July 2011. It's a strong start, I have to say. Michael, you can go next. Whose WhatsApp messages would you like to see made open to the public? Well, Ian, you did bill me as the uh, business journalist. That's what I've been doing for the last exactly a year since I started my new job. And I would love to have seen the WhatsApp messages that went on between Jerome Anderson, Sam Allardyce, and ultimately Steve Keane. Sneaking away in the background. As Big Sam gives his list of Chris Boyd, now obviously a star of uh, uh, Sky Sports on Saturday afternoon, whereas they've got a completely different list of transfer targets, including, of course, 
Jerome Anderson's son, <laughs> David Beckham, Ronaldinho, and and then I'd love to have seen the interventions from India. What did the owners want? Who did they think we should be buying? Maybe a Bollywood star, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio. <clears throat> Either way. And what about the evidence that Steve Keane claimed to some Rovers supporters, which you're probably going to have to uh, bleat this one out, uh, what he described Sam Allardyce as and why he had to pay out a large libel payment to Sam Allardyce as a result of those comments. That's what I'd like to see leaked in a WhatsApp group. I think that's a very, very strong answer. Uh, the lawyers will be reviewing your answer very carefully. If, when this goes out, it's just Michael saying, I'd like to see, and then you don't hear any more audio, you know exactly what's happened. Okay, Louis, we're going to come to you next then. Whose WhatsApp messages would you like to see? Uh, this one's a little bit personal for me. It's mainly for 13 and 14-year-old Louis rather than, than the Louis of today. And uh, it, it's, it's I want to see the WhatsApp messages between Paul Robinson and, and the football club just before he, led, uh, just before he left. Sorry. Uh, he always alleges and maintains that he was forced out of the club, uh, be it sort of contract disputes or disputes with sort of uh, management and a bit higher up. Uh, and really, I just, I just, I think fourteen-year-old Louis just wants a little bit of closure to why one of his favourite players left and then ultimately went down the road. And uh, I'd, I'd like some closure on that. It sounds like you you desperately need catharsis, there, Louis. Let's let's hope that one day we will see those WhatsApp messages, whether WhatsApp existed then or not. Finally, then, the defending champion. He's been limbering up in the background. It's your turn, Ryan. Whose WhatsApp messages would you like to see? Well, I was worried about some of the legal ramifications of this, but Michael's gone hard, so I've got nothing to worry about here. <laughs> so um, for me, I'd love to see the WhatsApp messages between the original love rat, Gary Flickcroft, and his bit on the side. I think there's going to be a wealth of uh, scandal and uh, and all sorts in those WhatsApp messages. And and I remember when this story broke, you know, because I think the papers softly, softly, softly went Premier League footballer in the Love Rat scandal. Then it was Premier League club who are in the north, in the north, in the Love Rat scandal. And then the day before, it was this story is going to break. And I remember saying to my mates, I think I was about fourteen as well, Louis. This is going to be a Rovers player, isn't it? And when it was Gary Flickcroft, the sheer embarrassment when that love rat story, <laughs> Gary Flickcroft's WhatsApp messages for however long that went on uh, will be a joy to read. And then obviously all the follow-up, the actual messages to his actual partner who he should have been messaging and not the bit on the side or will be some other messages of apology that I think we'd all love to see. I think those would be the absolute ones we love to see, I have to say. He was one of the first super injunctions, wasn't he, Gary Flickcroft? I think it, it was. It, it's always Rovers, isn't it? Shortly always after Rovers. the Ryan Giggs one, as I recall. Just a quick uh, point of order as well. He also gave evidence to the Leveson inquiry because he claimed um, that someone had hacked his phone, which is why they knew who the <laughs> Premier League love rat was. <laughs> oh, some things never change, do they? Some we things were... never change. I was chatting about this with a friend earlier on, and uh, those might remember some of the chants, which I won't mention on this podcast, but uh, they were quite humorous chants from the Blackburn end that first game back. <laughs> Excellent. A strong start to round one. I think we're in for, uh, for a good session. So let's have a look at the scores then. Uh, in fourth place, we have Louis with two points. Then we have defending champion Ryan with three. We have Roger with four, but a strong start from Michael Taylor, who has six after that first round. We now move on to round two, and in round two, what we're going to do is to make you think about Christmas music, because we're going to talk about the, the biggest selling Christmas song of all time, if you don't count White Christmas, I think, which is Band-Aid. 
and the lyric goes, At Christmas time we let in light and we banish shade. But whereabouts in the wide world of football do you think we should let in light so that we can see exactly what's going on? I'm going to come to Louis first on this one. Well, originally, I'd, I, I'd, I'd, I wanted to shed a bit of light on uh, some of the some of the decisions from the footballing bodies and, and you know the PGM and the refereeing. But I think after recent days, I sort of wanted to shed some light on, into Joey Barton's head, really. But uh, you know, hard pressed. No, but I'd, uh, I'd, yeah, the footballing bodies really. I want I want to know what's what what is happening and and what are the apparent reasons for all these minutia rule changes each season or partway through a season, which is not only you know it's I, I, I say this basically every, every time I come away from you with Park at the moment, which is I don't understand I don't understand what the rules are in terms of handball at the moment or in terms of fouls or in terms of offsides, and it, you know again we we've, we've seen it obviously at Rovers the past couple of weekends, you know some some very questionable. You know, decision making when it comes to, uh, when it comes to you know something as simple as handball. But no, I, that, that's why I'd like to. Uh, that's why I'd like to sh- shed some light. I, I, w- I want some clarity. Uh, I want I want some more catharsis. Uh, and, and ultimately, I just want three points for overs. Well, don't we all? It's, it's a good answer. When I said shed light into dark areas, I didn't realise you were going to be carrying around your own personal floodlight pile. And I have to say, there's a lot of dark corners that you want to shed some light into. But strong answers. Strong answers. I'm going to come to Ryan next then for his answer. Ryan, where would you like to point the great torch of justice? Uh, I don't think it's a torch of justice. I'm just totally jealous of them. Um, I want to shine some light on Brighton and Hove Albion because what they are doing is complete witchcraftery. Um, Their ability to buy randomers and sell them for millions is something that Rovers would obviously love to do. Their ability to have Chelsea's pants down is just absolutely (laughs) enviable and, and would love to do that. And they're just a genuinely bloody well-run club, aren't they? And everything that I'm absolutely envious and jealous of at the moment as a Rovers fan. So, yeah, I'd love to shine some light on it because I'm sure they're doing something wrong. That can't all just be good planning (laughs) and a good CEO and good communication from the owners and good spending of money. Splendid. Excellent stuff. Uh, Yes, that intro, Brighton, really are one of those role models, aren't they? I notice Mr Van Hecke, as we're calling him now, is making his way into the first team there as well. Still have a little pang for him every now and then. Michael, I'm going to come to you next. Where would you like to shine some light? Well, I'd definitely like to shine light and shade all over the financial world of football. I'm an avid listener of Kieran Maguire's blog. I avidly read my former colleague David Conn in The Guardian and some of his exposés about the misgoings on in the world of football and the things that Jacob Whitehead in The Athletic writes about. And I just think there's so many murky areas. We did a review of this in uh, thebusinessdesk.com. We thought, let's just... When we went to look at the clubs in, in League Two... And, and League One, even them, they've all got something dodgy in all of their all of their closets, um, whether it be it Carlisle, Stockport County, Salford. Yeah, let's definitely shine some light on Gary Neville's Salford, their plastic Man United light club. But absolutely everywhere in all areas of football, it's all well dodgy. And when it comes to the the the, the the, the, the poor supporters of all of those clubs, all I can say, to quote Bono, is, well, tonight, thank God it's them instead of you. Not that, not that we have it particularly good, though, do we? <laughs> Who knew I'd get a Bono line played back to me? Excellent stuff. Thank you, Michael. And to finish round two, we're going to go to Roger and ask him 
where he would like to banish Shade. Well, of course, I have the hindsight of listening to what everybody else has said. So I'd say to Louis, Joey Barton needs to have no light on him ever again. Turn the light completely off Joey Barton. Michael, we've got light on all these financial things. We've got light on all the obvious plights in world football, as in like, um, you know, in Saudi Arabia and Qatar this time last year, the human rights thing. Nothing ever changes on China Light to him. So I'm doing it on a personal level and I'm going to take Ryan's idea and make it one better, which is slightly more achievable than Brighton. And it is, what the hell is going on at Ipswich Town? How are they doing it? Kieran McKenna, yeah, he might be a great manager, but is he better than JDT? I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he's not. But he's certainly not miles better on him in terms of second in the league. They've had two two defeats all season. They're brilliant to watch. They're not even doing it like looted in terms of hoofing it forward to the big man up top and feeding off scraps and set pieces. They're playing some amazing football. And let's face it, any Rovers fan... George Hurst, what have you done to George Hurst? Oh my word, how are we now looking enviously at George Hurst playing for Ipswich Town? I saw him at the weekend do a Cruyff turn and it was one intricate football clean through, think over the keeper for their goal, almost carbon copy of the goal that Somerville scored in front of the Darwin and the Leeds match. And we were looking at it thinking, well, well, that's what you get with 30 million pound players. And yet Ipswich have done it with, I don't know, magic beans, smoke and mirrors, whatever you want to call it. They are doing fantastic. They've been a breath of fresh air showing that teams can come up from League One into the into the championship and, and really kick on. And uh, yeah, I'd much rather see them get promoted than your Southamptons and your Leeds. So yeah, Brighton, brilliant, but they need money to get that project off the ground. Ipswich, in my in my sort of workings out today, in my research, haven't spent a lot. If Ipswich can do it, Robes can do it too. I'm going to claim some credit for the Ipswich um, example. I think it's, it's, it's a great example. There was a podcast, I think it was an interview with Kieran Maguire, who you've already mentioned, Michael, with their CEO. I remember copying a link to it on the BRFCS forum. Go to the BRFCS forum, kids. You know it makes sense. Uh, And this interview was absolutely amazing. It just showed when you've got a coherent strategy at the top and everyone buys into it, the ripple effect that that has down the chain. So they changed owners, got a new board in, got new manager in, got new players in, and we've seen the results on the field. Going to be interesting to watch them for sure. That is the end of round two. It's time to have a look at the scores on the doors. And defending champion Ryan is in fourth place on seven points. Then it's Louis on eight points. Roger has nine points. And Michael leads with ten points. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Sam Smodix wishing all 4,000 Holes listeners a very Merry Christmas. So, in round three, I asked our panel to think about Christmas, and I said, Christmas is all about giving, not receiving. But if you had the power to gift three points to a team other than Blackburn Rovers at Christmas, who would the lucky recipients be, and why? And I'm going to come to Ryan first of all. Uh, This one for me is Wolves at home to Chelsea on Christmas Eve for a few reasons. Uh, Firstly, Gary O'Neill. 
He's had seven points robbed off him, hasn't he? So he personally needs those three points back because they say football evens itself out, not when you've got VAR involved. I mean, they have just been absolute joke decisions that uh, that Wolves have had to deal with uh, in those games that they've had. Uh, it's also funny because it's Chelsea. So Chelsea fans going up to Wolves on Christmas Eve and ruining their Christmas. It would just be great for Wolves to get one over on them, wouldn't it? Uh, and hopefully those three points will right some of the wrongs for Wolves this season, who should be higher in the table and frankly have fallen to the accustomed PGMOL things that Louis was saying earlier. What a bloody disgrace it's been for them this season. Gary O'Neill, who saw that coming? I've got to be honest. Yeah, I think he's, he's done an excellent job. That Monday night football thing, though, that really these days is is very much put yourself in the shop window. It's like, uh, yeah, I'm Gary O'Neill. This is my TED Talk. Uh, Please employ me at a bigger club in about six months' time, if you'd be so kind. Strong answer. I'm going to come to Louis next then. Louis, who would you give three points to at Christmas if it's not to be your beloved Blackburn Rovers? Well, uh, admittedly, I thought we'd all have uh, very similar, if not the same, answers here. So as much as I agree with what Ryan was saying, especially about how hard done by Wolves have been uh, over the last few weeks, uh, but I would say it has got to be Everton, Luton, Sheffield United, anyone in the bottom half of the Premier League, really, apart from... Uh, you nailed it there, mate. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. No, uh, yeah. If uh, Listen, Everton point deduction, listen, that's, that's way above my pay grade. I'm not getting involved in it, but come on up the Sophie's la, as long as Sean Dyke stays up and sends them not down. You know, I'll, I'll cut me open. I'll bleed. I'll bleed blue again. <laughs> That's an excellent answer. However, I did say one team and you nominated, I think, 19. Oh, Basically, oh. anyone that except Burnley. But good answer, notwithstanding. Roger, I'm going to come to you next. Who would you donate three points to at Christmas time? So you can tell I've been doing my homework and my research today. We can, mine, yes. Mine comes because if when I think of Christmas, I think of its childhood, its memories. And when you think of Christmas films, Christmas songs, it's redemption, it's miracles, it's the joy of Christmas. And I want to give my three points to Lango Jr.'s under-12 black team who have played nine games a season. They've lost all nine. They've got a minus 39 goal difference. And they're going up against table-topping Interpro FC under-12s this Sunday at North Coat Lane. What memories it would be for the youngsters in the under-12 black team, whether that's the best or the worst. I don't know how it works at uh, Lango Juniors, but talk about Christmas redemption stories. Bottom v. Top, David v. Goliath, Bailey v. Potter, Cratchit v. Scrooge. What a Christmas outcome that would be. You've definitely gone niche there. Is that available on Fire Sticks? Do we do we have to sort of like I mean, scour the internet for highlights? We can get it on the forums, and we can get you know maybe a thousand people down to Northcote Lane to watch an under twelves match. Maybe it might be a bit too much, but uh, yeah, come on, the Lango Juniors. Excellent stuff. And to finish round three, Michael, who is your who is the beneficiary of your largesse this Christmas? Uh, the benefit of my largesse this Christmas will be Altrincham. I want Altrincham to come into the Football League. They're a club that's quite close to me where I live in the south end of Greater Manchester. I am currently chasing my 92 and I'm on 78. It'll be 79 on Saturday. And if Chesterfield and Altrincham come up from the uh, from the National League and the likes of Sutton or Forest Green or Colchester go down, I'll be well into my 80s and within touching distance of doing the 92. So come on, you Robins. Any points welcome. And I have seen Blackburn Rovers there when Graham Soonis was the manager and we beat them in a friendly. I'm old enough to remember us drawing Altrincham in the FA Cup. <gasps> in fact, I think you probably are as well. Man. Excellent. 
Right, at the end of round three, it's tightening up. I have to say, this is this is a bit like the Peloton in the Tour de France. In last place is Ryan with 11 points. In joint second are Roger and Louis with 12 points. And still leading, but only by one point, is Michael with 13. It's really nip and indeed tuck. So it's really tight. Who's going to make a breakthrough? Who's going to make the early bid for the line? Let's move to round four and see if we can separate this peloton. Let's see if someone makes a break for it up the hill. Question four is, one of the great traditions at Christmas is for the family to sit together and watch a classic movie. But which movie would you choose to entertain which Rovers player or manager, past or present, and why? I'm going to come to Michael first. Well, this is a slightly heartbreaking choice, but I'm going to pick the film Sliding Doors. And the person I'd li- the person I'd most like to watch the film with to think about what might have been is Matt Janssen. As many of you may know, I worked in the lounges last year interviewing players past and present, and Matt Janssen was my absolute standout. What a remarkable young man he is, what a life he's had. But what, as his book says, what was, what is, and what might have been. And also he was a great interview on this podcast, Ian. You did a splendid interview with him. Um, I think, um, yeah, Matt Janssen and Sliding Doors might be a bit cruel. Uh, He might be rubbing his nose in it a little bit, but I think it's a great story and it'd be worth telling all over again. I absolutely agree with that. He was a terrific bloke to interview him. I think he's a terrific bloke in real life based on people I know that met him. Yeah, um, definitely. Ever so helpful. Um, Currently working at Stockport County. Indeed he is. Indeed he is. Who knows? Maybe he will make his way back to Weewood one day in a coaching or maybe even a managerial capacity. We wait and see. I'm going to come to Roger next then and find out who's going to cozy up around the TV screen and as you slip in a DVD or stream something. Roger. I didn't. I, I noticed. Mean, I, I didn't. I didn't say VHS there. You were lucky. I did say. Well, I mean, again, I just so many families I know this time of year they put the Christmas tree up, they get the lights on, the music on, and then they watch Slide Indoors because that really is a Christmas movie and really into the theme of today's fighting talk. <laughs> yeah. My my one is going to be National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and the reason why <laughs> JDT is Clark Griswold. He's lovable. You can't help but like him. He's enthusiastic. And in that film, he's got massive plans for a big project, the swimming pool. He's going to get it. And then guess what happens? The boss undercuts him, gives him a lousy bonus, takes all the finances away. And this grand plan that he had to make everybody happy at Christmas and kind of, as in true Rover style, it kind of all falls apart, but then kind of works out in the end and everyone kind of leaves feeling good about themselves. Plus there's a weird cousin Eddie, which could perhaps be played by, uh, I know, one of the Rao brothers or something like that. And uh, we could drink schnapps together, dance around the Christmas tree. And as you know, from meeting him last week, you know, we're we're practically on first name terms now, me and JDT. So we'd have a great time. And, you know, Christmassy. What's not to like about JDT, the world's most likable person, perhaps second only to Michael Palin. I think that, but it's a it's tough company, tough company. I have to say, I'm going to come to Louis next. Louis, who would you invite round, and which film? Uh, well, I'd have to I'd, I'd have to borrow uh, borrow JDT off Roger for a second, uh, and hope hope I might be able to fit in a quick ninety minutes with him. Uh, I would, uh, yeah, I would uh, actually watch Love Actually with uh, Jan Dallas Martin, and not for any romantic reasons, not for not for a, to have a little snuggle and to, you know watch Keira Knightley mouth act, uh, but just so I can mute that and uh, talk football for ninety minutes with uh, with Jan Dallas Martin talking his footballing career, you know uh, Athens, Istanbul, 
Uh, obviously, probably not the bit when he was at Newcastle. Uh, and then listen, listen to him talk about his philosophy for a couple of hours. I want, I want to know how he's, how he's got Harry Pricker in playing inverted right back. How he's got Callum Britton. Is basically, you know, is 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 is, is Cristiano Ronaldo reimagined? I, I, I want to know what he's doing. I want to know how he's uh, how he's done it, and I want to know if I can do any of it as well. That sounds amazing. I think we have to have a <laughs> for Tomarson. I have to say, of all, of all the pronunciations oh. I've heard before. <laughs> Oh, that's my accent. That's that's just as graceful, that Ian. I'll be going to the top with this. Awesome. Ryan, you can close off round four with your choice of player or manager, past or present, but what movie? Well, when you think of the words clinical, lethal and marksman, you do not think of Fode Coiter, Chris Brown or Corrado Grabby. No, you think of John McClane and Die Hard and... It says family here, Ian. So these are my family of strikers that I just love for all the wrong reasons. And they can sit with me and watch a real marksman, a real clinician, and someone who is lethal at work in that film and show them where the back of the net is. So die hard with those three is who's watching my Christmas film. You'll notice you didn't get a point knocked off for is Die Hard a Christmas movie? We, we, if we let sliding doors go, I think we can let Die Hard go, that's for sure. Excellent <laughs> yeah. choice. Excellent Ian, choice. Ian, if Michael's won that round for essentially taunting Matt Janssen, a beloved Rovers player who had his career shortened by saying, listen, Matt, if you hadn't got on that motorbike, this is Stuart's inquiry needs going on there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the scores at the end thought, of round I thought four. only captains could uh, harangue the referee. <laughs> It sounds like there's a bit of Roy Keenism going on here. The scores at the end of round four, it's still nip and tuck. Ryan is still in fourth place, the defending champion, let us not forget, with 14 points. Then it's Louis with 15 and tied for the lead is Roger and Michael on 17 points each. Now, round five is the quick fire round. Uh, there will be a <laughs> if you take too long. So I want you to get in, make your point, and get out. If you name the person that I've got written on my post-it stuck to the screen, which I will reveal to camera at the end of the round, you get five bonus points. So conceivably, you could all get five bonus points if you all name the same person, and it's the person that I've got written down. So round five. Netflix recently released its documentary on David Beckham. But if you were the Netflix commissioning editor, who from the Blackburn Rovers' long and illustrious history would you choose to be the subject of a documentary series? And I'm going to come to Michael first. Well, I'm going to go for Andy Crawford, right? So I've just seen that there's a book come out about Robin Friday, who was like a bad man who played for Reading and Cardiff City in the 70s. Long hair, there's a great picture of him on the cover of the a super furry animal single from the 90s, flicking the Vs at a goalkeeper after he slots the ball into an empty net. He was like a bad George Best playing in the lower leagues. I think Andy Crawford is all of that and more. He was Rovers' best player in that promotion season under Howard Kendall out of the third division. Then he demanded a transfer and went on strike for a season and was never heard of again, ending his career at Torquay United in Stockport County, barely troubling the statistics ever since. What on earth happened to him? I'd love to see a documentary about that, and it would be as dramatic as the one that I've just watched this afternoon on my day off, the Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary, um, The Edge of Everything, produced by David Beckham. Oh, right. Him personally. (laughs) I could just see him there in the the box. Andy Crawford was not the answer I was expecting, I have to say, so full marks for going out left field. 
Uh, anybody who listened to our uh, interview with Simon Garner will know that Simon and Andy possibly didn't see eye to eye. I think Simon had trenchant views about young Andy Crawford, but there we go. I'm going to come to Louis next then for your take, Louis. Who would you have as the subject of a Netflix documentary? Uh, for me, I think it's got to be David Bentley. Uh, again, a player, from, a player from when I when I was growing up, I absolutely idolised. What a, what a mercurial talent! How what what you know the way he could hit a ball, the way he could take it past the play. You know the way he made real Ferdinand look long on a footy pitch. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, but no, of course, it's it's the tragic again of what could have been of David Bentley. You know, retiring at what was it 28, 29 to you know going open open a bar up in Spain. You know, I'd quite like to see that bit and where where his decision making came through that I think he said in interviews that yeah he just sort of fell out of love with football he fell out of love you know I think it when he got to the highest level at Spurs and he's just I think the 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 magician's uh person was was pulled away from him and I think he just he just fell out of love with the game so I'd really like to see sort of that rise from you know that plucky underdog you know the, the blue and white halves up to the up to the the mighty lily whites of North London but other than that, uh, of course, you know the the Netflix documentary. But have, have we all seen Brereton Brereton Diaz's uh, sort of Spanish documentary that's coming out soon of his of his journey across across the Atlantic to to Chile? I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to watching that. But no, I'd say uh, I'd say David Bentley definitely my answer. It was Louis two answers G there for a second. I thought you were you were going oh, to oh, basically oh. get a Mike Jackman out and go through the full A to Z in the hope of naming <laughs> uh, naming the person that I've got written on the poster. Right, I'm going to come to Ryan next. Ryan, who would you commission a Netflix documentary about? Uh, for me, it's two guy. Um, so not just for his uh, on field things, you know, the goals, the the legendary status that he's gained at Rovers, and and all the places that he's been, Rangers, Galatasaray, his time away with Turkey. There's going to be some great things to watch on that Netflix documentary. Well, no, for me, I want to see his personal life. This is a guy that smoked, half arsed, would dribble on the pitch. What is he taking? What is he drinking? What is he smoking? What is he eating? What is going on away from Ewood Park and the football pitches that he graced? Because that is not conducive with the modern day footballer, is it? So I want to see what's going on in two guys' life to make him that damn good for overs. And if you believe the rumours, you could also find out then how much he charges to appear in charity football matches. Mm. <laughs> see, see the lawyers leave that one in, but there we go. So to finish this round, we'll come to Roger. Roger, if you were in charge of Netflix, which Rovers figure would get their own documentary? My uh, vote would go to Bob Crompton, Blackburn's best ever player, no matter how you spin it. He had uh, as much success off the field as he actually had on it. And on the field, he won the first division twice with Rovers, the FA Cup, as a manager. He also won the Wartime Cup and the second division as a manager. And off it, he's got a fascinating book with, done by Harry Berry, which I read on holiday. One of the first men in the country to have a motor car, uh, amongst many other things, uh, made fortune and... Uh, Really, the story that would be most interesting to non-football fans and non-Rovers fans is the fact that his success was almost blighted by the club. Almost the club hated him because it was it was a bit of jealousy, a bit of, you know, he, he was just that good at everything he did. The committee at the time just couldn't deal with it. And uh, sort of, if if the committee had been more, had more, no, more foresight, who knows where Rovers would have been uh, come uh, the wartime when obviously they were a good team, but they could have been an even better team. So what I'm hearing there is you're saying that the the manager was the visionary who wanted to drag the club forward, but he was he was held back and not supported. Is that is that where we're going with this? Well, if you read the book, that's essentially what it is. That's the second half of the book. Yeah, excellent stuff. Okay, it's time for the big reveal. 
And I can say, as I lift my post-it up to the camera, it is Bob Crompton. He is, he is the all-time Blackburn Rovers hero. Uh, he actually died uh, of a heart attack that was he suffered during a Blackburn Rovers-Burnley match. Anybody, anybody in those circumstances, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate way to go, I think, for, for any Rovers fan. So, Roger, you not only scored heavily for uh, choosing Bob Crompton and explaining it so beautifully, but obviously it was, uh, it was the bonus as well. So, you now roar into the lead with 27 points. In second place is Michael with 19. In third place is Louis with 18. And in fourth place is Ryan with 17. So, I think Roger's pretty much nailed a place in the final in January. And the three remaining contestants now are battling it out to see who can join him. Unless Roger really, really messes up the AOB... I'll just, I say I'll, just, I'll just make sure the button's still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, oh, excellent. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hello, Sander Tronster here. This is the 4000 Hold Podcast. So can he, can he snatch defeat from the jaws of victory? Let us see. So the AOB round is how we will finish, and this is any, absolutely anything. Basically, it's what grinds the gears of my panellists. You have the opportunity to vent. This is yet more catharsis here, Louis. It's another chance to be on the psychiatrist's couch and sort of get it out there and bring your blood pressure down. So I'll come to you first then, Louis. What's your AOB? Oh, bloody hell, Ian. Where, where, where do we start? Uh, no, I, I would say I'd carry on from my point before about about the about the sort of the footballing governing bodies currently uh, trying to ruin what is left of the beautiful game. I would say this absolute state of the officiating, and I know it's very boring. We all know it. We everyone's heard it a million times before. But the absolute state of officiating in the top two in England, uh, especially the championship. I mean, we, we are semi lucky enough not to have VAR. Although obviously our manager has recently uh, recently called for it. But it's it's just become. Uh, I'm I'm so sick of it now. I, it's I'm 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 giggling now at decisions. I'm laughing. The the handball on on Saturday against Leeds. I'm, I'm letting out a little chuckle to myself, going, "Bloody hell, this is just going to happen all the way to the end of the season." And it's all right though because our manager will get sent off for it was as you guys will know the politest guy in the world. How is he being sent off? Uh, uh, and we'll get it's all right because we'll get an apology letter from the FA uh, on Wednesday. So it's so it's all right. So all's all's fair in love and war. And I just think you know uh, I'll I'll tell my language a little bit, but it's it's absolute uh, codswallop. And I'm sick. I'm sick to the back teeth. As a former referee myself, I'm sick to the back teeth of the state of officiating 
it's listen. It's very it's difficult being a referee. You've got to make it some very split uh, split second decisions under high pressure circumstances. But bloody hell, lads! Come on, if 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 some fifteen year old doing it for twenty quid an hour can can you know do a better job? <laughs> Go on, Louis. Go on. Thank you, guys. Be the revolution. <laughs> I got how would how would Rams just knocked at the window? <laughs> Come in and have a word. Excellent stuff. Yes, refereeing. Um, I, I my my heart goes out to referees. I have to say, I have a lot of sympathy for them. And then you see some of the decisions, and you actually say, you just shake your head and go, "Ah, oh, well, never mind." Okay, Ryan, I'm going to come to you next for your AOB. Yeah, my gripe is with my colleagues at work. So <laughs> I've em- I've embraced a lot of uh, of post-pandemic working, shall we say? You know, virtual calls and and all of that has has given us a lot, hasn't it? And being able to do things virtually and not having to get on trains and all of that. <laughs> Seemingly, what it's not given my colleagues is personal etiquette when looking at my calendar. So when they can see that I have one half an hour gap left in my day and literally cannot squeeze anything else in. You can guarantee that random from the Bristol office will slot a call in my calendar. Uh, Not only is this disrespectful, when am I going to go for a piss? It's just downright rude. So uh, my gripe is just with my colleagues and their general etiquette around MS Teams and anything virtual. My heart goes out to have to say, I I used to put keep clears in for such occasions where I'd have to sneak off work early to go to football matches, something like that. And you just get ignored, completely ignored. What's the point of that then? What is the point of that? So I have to say, you, you've honed in on something there. Right, Michael, we'll come to you next. Right, much as I'd like to sort of rail against the Tory government, much as I'd like to rail <laughs> against absolutely everything going on in this rotten country that seems to be falling apart, I'm going to reserve all my pre-Christmas humbug ire for... Kids who take cardboard signs to matches saying, please give me your shirt. And even worse, those kids that run onto the pitch and demand goalies gloves or shirts or training tops from a player. The sheer entitlement of it, the cheek of it. No, I'm sorry, I don't regard it as any kind of Oliver Twist um, charm about it. I think it's needy and I think it's a sign of a decline of our society. When you said people going on the pitch, <laughs> and then you you very quickly followed it up with a request for goalkeeping gloves or something. You were going to get the um, <laughs> there for your antics at Doncaster. Let us never ever forget that. But there we go. I've done far worse than that, Ian. I'm sure you. Have. You clearly didn't see me at Preston when we got promotion there. <laughs> I did not. You're quite right. Roger, round us off, then bring us home with your Sky AOB. TV did. <laughs> Uh, mine is playing it a little bit safe, perhaps uh, sticking in the football <laughs> with va- vaping mm. at football and how, and how 15-year-old kids vaping Vimto-flavoured vapes across the Riverside stand think that the smoking thing doesn't apply to them. And yet they can't wait 45 minutes to go to the exits or even stop altogether. It just annoys me. It's just why. I had it at the cinema the other week. I went to see, uh, well, a few, few months back, I went to the Mission Possible film. Right in front of me, just halfway through the film, just a big plume of vape smoke in front of me. Like, what's all that about? Put your vape away for a couple of hours, man. Enjoy the film. Come on. It does my edit. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yeah, you didn't throw it away. You'd be pleased to note there, Roger. But you definitely played it safe. You took the ball into the corner uh, and just essentially made sure that the uh, the time ran out. Dan so, Gallagher Preston at home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let us have a look at the scores then and see what that last round does. 
In joint third place, we have defending champion Ryan and Louis on 21 points each. Ryan, your reign is over. How does it feel? Uh, I feel liberated, in fact, because uh, (laughs) I was really nervous about doing all of this again, so you've released me from my shackles. You've got somebody in your office to book up your calendar in January so you weren't available for the final, is that right? Exactly right. (laughs) Well, it's been a glorious reign, if I may say so, but, yeah, as Pep sort of says, winning a title is one thing, defending it is is fundamentally more difficult, so you'll, you'll have to come back next year and give it a good go, but thank you for your efforts. Louis, it was it was bold. I have to say, it was it was a bold attempt, just a nudge in at the end there. But uh, you, you've tied with last year's champion. I mean, you've got to take something from that. Oh, I I, I absolutely do. And I'm very proud of that performance. But uh, this is an absolute stitch up, fellas. I will be going to the higher body. I'm not having this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say we should refer this to VAR, by any chance? Uh, court of arbitration. <laughs> uh, this, this is, yeah, this is worse than this. This is going all the way to CAS. 115 charges will be coming our way. Is that, is this what I have in store over the weekend? I thought I was in for a quiet life. Oh. Michael, uh, terrific stuff. You finished in runners-up position with 23, the differentiator being that Roger knows more about Bob Crompton and possibly knows my love and adoration for Bob Crompton and has leveraged that quite brilliantly. But you will be in the final, sir, so congratulations. Roger, our newcomer, what can I say? A terrific performance. You finished with 28 points. As I say, those five bonus points for Bob Crompton just... It, meaning you could you could jog the last 20 metres to the line and then look over your shoulder and applaud the uh, the rest of the crowd coming in. So you okay. will be in our final in January. But we've got to do the best of all rounds in fighting talk, and that is defend the indefensible. So I'm going to give the opportunity to all four of my panellists to do the DTI if they want, but we're definitely going to get Roger and Michaels, obviously. So Ryan, would you like to do your DTI? Yeah, why not? Let's have a bit of fun. It's Christmas. This can count as the podcast extra. So that was a terrific competition. Uh, We have Roger and Michael going through to the final, but we're now going to give all the panellists an opportunity to do their DTI um, because it's just too much fun and too much sport not to, basically. So Ryan. You have 20 seconds, and I'll bring the counter into the middle of the screen so that you know when your time's running out. The idea is to uh, use all your time. Don't finish prematurely, and definitely don't overrun. This is your DTI. You've got to defend this no matter what you think. There are just too many football podcasts around these days. Don't encourage them by listening. Cancel all podcasts now. I mean, that's just Codswallop, isn't it, Ian? We need all of these views from people that have no idea about football because how am I going to have that diverse range of uh, of football opinion? I don't want to hear from BRFCS and Rovers Chat and Ryan on Arte Labore. I want to hear from the second-tier podcast and other people that don't really know about Blackburn Rovers because that's where it really counts. Very good, sir. Very good. I wanted to see to the extent to which you would kill the goose that laid the gold egg. <laughs> Hypocrisy is a marvellous thing. I did think. <laughs> okay, Louis, we're going to come to you for your DTI. And this this, this is terrific, actually, because we're, we've, we've mentioned the subject of this quite a lot this evening. So, Louis, Yundale Tomasun, as you pronounced it, I think, 
is little more than Steve Keen with a sexy foreign accent. The sooner he leaves Blackburn Rovers, the better. Absolutely. What what is this 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 fancy brand of football that we are seemingly playing, and we're starting to play a bit more attractive, and we're not just knocking it around the back four all the time. You know, I'm absolutely sick of that. I'm I much much preferred Rovers when we were when we were drawing nil nil or one one or throwing you know maybe two two one leads uh, in in the 90, 91st minute against uh, against Yorkshire Cubs. Uh, you can no, stop now. You've that. had your twenty seconds. <laughs> I'm, I'm a roll now. I'm sick of this. <laughs> You took to that far too easily, if I may say so, I have to say. I thought that might trip trip you up, but there we go. So, Michael, as the runner-up, your DTI is... Manchester has an Everton-supporting mayor. Outrageous. All mayors should support a team in their constituency, with no exceptions. Absolutely. And um, and I'd be appalled if Blackburn or Lancashire ever got a mayor that didn't um, support... Uh, Blackburn Rovers, and I would like to therefore nominate David Smith from the Riverside. Councillor Dave Smith from Darwin should be the Mayor of Lancashire, 100%. I think it's disgraceful that Burnham um, supports Everton. He's a scouser, he's born in Bootle, and he's got no right to be the Mayor of Greater Manchester, and I'll be telling him that when I'm hosting his question time on Thursday night at Trafford Town Hall. Oh, we've got to do one of those for name-dropping, I think, but I have to say it's a good name-drop, notwithstanding. I thought you might enjoy that one, I have to say. And Roger, you won the contest this e- this this evening, and you've gone through to the final. So you've got a chance to practice for the grand final in January. And yours is the crowd in the Riverside does nothing but moan. Close the stand now, demolish it, make Ewood Park a three-sided stadium immediately. Well, I mean, that's just an obvious one, isn't it? Because let's let's face it, everybody who knows everything about Blackburn Rovers, passages of play, styles of play, wing play, forward play, they all sit in the Riverside. So they don't sit in the Riverside, they all sit in the Jack Walker stand, don't they? That's the better view, premium seats, the padded seats. Oh, come on, I mean, it's obvious. Shut it down, it's falling down anyway. Very good. Right on time as well. So that's good practice for you. Gentlemen, that was excellent. Thank you very much. A scary amount of research, I think, has been done there, I have to say. <laughs> really quite disturbing. I don't know if any of you have seen your families or <laughs> ventured out of the house in the last 72 hours, but that was thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining. I wish you all the very best for the Christmas season, the new year, and, of course, we'll see Roger and Michael back in January on a date when we can get the promoters to agree and find a venue that can accommodate the vast crowds that Datlas will want to come. What a terrific contest it has been. So, thank you very much, Ryan, defending champion. Have a great Christmas. Thank you, Andrew Ian. Thank you for having me on. Louis, likewise, terrific performance. Really good stuff. Uh, have a super time over the festive period. Thank you very much, Ian. You too. It's all down to your brilliant, your brilliant chairing. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> too late to brown nose now. You should have done that a few minutes earlier. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much once again for your contributions. Look forward to seeing you in January. Fight. Gonna fight for that title. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to it because there's still a long way to go to win this title. And Whiteside went right down in my estimations with that Matt Janssen dig. And I'm telling you what, I would love it. Just love it if I beat him in the final. I'll happily be the winner, Sir Alex Ferguson, and you can be the bottle job, Kevin Keegan. So, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> All right, it's fine. Fighting talk, indeed. And Roger, you've, you've laid down a marker. Uh, who knows... Who will come through in the second semi-final? You're going to be in it. How does that feel? I mean, it's 
possibly up there with getting engaged this year as the highlights of my year. It's been that good. It's been it's been a years long process of coming to fruition. I'm so excited for January. Forget Christmas, January, bring it on. Thank you very much everybody for listening and uh, have a great Christmas and we'll be back with the second semi-final and then in January with the final. That's all from us at the 4,000 Holes podcast unless we got cancelled because of the DTI. Excellent stuff, chaps. I am a bit alarmed at the amount of research you've done, Roger. Have you, have you done anything for the last 72 hours? It's tough. You need to come in with an idea. I probably should have gone cold turkey and just uh, come in. But... <laughs> well, I booked the day off work today to prepare for this. <laughs> this is Sam Smodix wishing all 4,000 Holes listeners a very Merry Christmas. Podcast Network. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you the creative type? And you already know lots of cool things Photoshop can do. Like create eye-popping images for social. And gorgeous graphics for t-shirts and posters. But did you also know it can instantly turn a gray sky into a fiery sunset? Change black and white to color in a click? Or make anything in your photo magically disappear? Maybe you're wondering, can anyone use Photoshop to take images from ordinary to amazing? Nope. Everyone can. Visit Photoshop.com and get started for free. It's the 90th minute. All you mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.